Welcome to episode 61 of the FarmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, senior editor of FarmExec magazine and your podcast host. FarmExec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jim and Cindy DiBiase, co-founders of 3D Communications. They're here to discuss the move to virtual high-stakes meetings and how best to prepare for them. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Jim and Cindy. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At TrueSterum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. TrueSterum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at TrueSterumNTWK.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, I'll be interviewing Jim and Cindy DiBiase, co-founders of 3D Communications. They're here to talk about how to prepare for virtual high-level meetings, such as important regulatory presentations and keynote addresses in the wake of COVID-19. Thanks for joining us today, Jim and Cindy. It's our pleasure to be here. Thanks, Elaine, for having us. Sure. Let's get started just by talking a little bit about how each of you works differently with clients. Jim, would you like to go first? Sure. So I focus on preparing our clients for regulatory meetings with the FDA and EMA, everything from early stage meetings to FDA advisory committee meetings and CHMP oral explanations. And I focus more on product launch communications and what the industry refers to as value communications. That means getting teams ready for important meetings and negotiations with payers. Uh, I also prepare executives for all kinds of communications from major presentations and investor meetings to media interviews. Great. Jim, maybe you could describe how your types of meetings have changed as a result of going virtual and what the greatest challenges are that you've seen to date. Uh, Okay. Well, sorry, Cindy. That might be the only question we have time to answer today. So, uh, Elaine, the FDA and EMA have always had virtual meetings with clients. Uh, The big difference is, in the past, the FDA has all been in one room and the clients have all been in one room. Now, everyone is virtual. Everybody's in different locations. So, the most dramatic change uh, is being seen with the meetings that have historically been face-to-face, like FDA advisory committee meetings and CHMP oral explanations. Uh, We've been working with clients to address basically three major challenges, the risk of technology failure, the likelihood of advisory committee members or CHMP members being distracted because they're not on camera, and the participants not being on camera. Um, So, for example, when meetings are held in person, people can express themselves by using their body language and gestures along with their words. And these are just good, solid elements of good communications, and they're very important to conveying your key messages. Now, during face-to-face meetings, People also get instant feedback. If I'm answering a question and I see that the person who asked the question isn't satisfied by their facial expression, I can try to clarify my answer to truly address the question that's being asked. And that element of virtual meetings off camera is completely lost. There's also 
the increased risk of having distractions during virtual meetings. You know, when you're not on camera, other phone calls can come in. You can be looking at your emails. A family member can walk in the room. And that distraction could lead to important information being missed by the advisory committee members. And then there's the risk of technology failure. And that might be the greatest concern. We've all seen it during our virtual meetings, the the poor internet connections that create a little bit of a delay. So people end up speaking over each other, not on purpose. There's just a, a little latency in the line. So you think the person's done talking, but they're not. We've had devices running out of power, right? People saying, oh, my, oh sorry, my, my cell phone ran out of power. Uh, I had to dial back in. I, I missed the last couple of minutes. And I know that sounds silly, but we've seen it happen. Then there's the muting or not muting phones at the appropriate times. So people are talking, thinking they're being heard and they're not, or people are making noise and they think they're muted and they're not. And then there's that deafening audio loop when people haven't muted their phones and they have their computer audio on also. So you create this internal loop. Bad audio connections themselves. You know, people saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello, hello. And we've all seen it. So in general, face-to-face meetings just create a better environment for communicating, especially when it's complex scientific information and we just want to make sure that we do our best to, to create that understanding between the participants because in the end, what we want, what everybody wants, the FDA, the, the EMA, the advisory committee members, is the right decision being made on the benefit and risk of a particular product. So how are you preparing clients to deal with those challenges? Well, we're doing a massive amount of tech training, technology training, especially in education. So our internal communication specialists have worked remotely with clients to up their virtual communications game using one-on-one and on-camera role plays and real-time video feedback so they can immediately see and adjust how they look and sound in hopes that they'll be able to engage their audience virtually better than they did when they were first starting. We've also customized our technology solutions to provide a system where our clients can have sort of a back-channel communication, a confidential communication during the meeting. So if questions come up, the team could help the spokesperson. And it's a way, we also have developed a way where we can call up backup slides uh, in collaboration with the FDA to answer questions even in a virtual environment. So we've been on the phone a lot with the FDA over the last few weeks, making sure that we understand their technology platform, the one that they're going to be using, that file transfers are smooth, that everyone is is trained. And uh, FDA has put an enormous amount of effort getting ready for these meetings. So we're, we're hopeful that uh, the technology issues will be limited and the meeting will be robust. How about you, Cindy? What hurdles do virtual meetings present for your clients and what tips are you giving them to help improve the situation? So regardless of the meeting, you know, the biggest thing to remember is that virtual audiences are just more difficult to engage. You know, and as Jim said, to keep them focused because of distraction. There's also the fatigue of the situation, you know, the fatigue of our times and also the Zoom fatigue. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm on Zoom hours and hours a day. So the other thing is, because you usually can't see most of your audience, you can't feed off of their energy. And that's really important for a speaker in a live presentation to really grab the energy of the room. 
So what we're doing is first, you know, you work with clients uh, to look at a number of different things. First, we focus on maximizing the content for virtual. So if it's a formal presentation, we pay extra attention on how to create presentations that hook the audience from the very beginning. And we keep the communications very short and crisp. Now, normally we tell them get to the point, but this is even more so the case. Uh, if the presentation has to be longer, we're intentional about putting in brain breaks. You know, every 10 minutes, research shows it, every 10 minutes in a didactic presentation, you start to lose your audience. So what we want to do is build in a break that it could be an, an audience interaction, it could be a poll, it could be breaking it up with a question, or even getting creative and putting in a short video. So it's not just a barrage of didactic information that's just going to numb their brains. Uh, when it comes to a high stakes meeting, so it could be a sales meeting with a, a, you know, a healthcare provider, it could be a payer meeting, it could be an investor meeting. We make sure again, the messages are crystal clear up front, that there's clear context, again, short and concise. That's on the content side. On the performance side, you know, whether you're on camera or not, it's, we tell our clients to stand for energy really focus on that vocal variety so they're not monotone be very intentional about pausing about emphasizing keywords the whole idea is that your message really has to break through so jim you talked a little bit about this dense scientific information that part of these meetings how does that translate without the use of video are there ways to keep up the energy and make it more interesting Yes, it's, it's always a challenge, you know, presenting complicated or, as you say, dense scientific information is always a challenge regardless of the format, especially when the slides are the only image that one is looking at. We really need to make sure that what you say matches exactly to what the committee members are looking at. So if you're, if you're looking at a, a detailed graph or a chart, that you're walking them slowly through the numbers so they understand the visuals. So your script needs to closely follow your sides. We call it the CSA rule. You know, what they see should be match what you say and what you say should match what they see. And more than ever, we're coaching our clients on how to create energy in both their presentations and answering questions, again, with just emphasizing with keywords, flag words, very important data. And as Cindy said, we tell them to stand up when presenting, to use their body language, to drive their vocal variety for passion and passion in the delivery. Uh, your vocal presentation really needs to become three-dimensional because we're, you know, we're, flattening, we're flattening these meetings out. Cindy, how do you prepare people for a virtual meeting when it comes to being on camera? Well, um, you know, there are a list of things that you have to do when, when you go from, as we say, presenting in the ballroom to presenting in the living room. Fortunately for us, many of our writers and coaches, myself included, are former TV reporters and anchors. So we, you know, we were doing virtual before virtual was, was fashionable. And we're using a lot of those TV techniques right now. So first and foremost, you have to know where to look. And after Several months of virtual meetings, people still seem to be struggling uh, that they don't realize that you should be looking directly into the camera lens, not the computer screen. So think of the camera as the eyes of your audience. And so you need to make eye contact looking straight into the lens of the camera. Then you have to think about your background and design your background so that you're striking a balance between sterile and distracting. And then think about lighting and camera angle. So 
the best angle is just above eye level, just a bit above eye level. Most people look down into the camera because they're looking into the top of their laptops. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of nostrils and double chins. So, you know, don't look down on me is the, is the rule. And then with the lighting, the lighting should be coming at the front of your face so that it lights your face, not from behind your head. So like we're seeing a lot of windows in the background. Uh, and that is, that's a no-no because if the window, if the lighting is coming from behind, then you're gonna be too dark. So are there any clear advantages to these new virtual formats? Can you think of anything that might be important to try to retain as a way to enhance live meetings once we return to in-person events? The biggest advantage that I see to virtual events is that you get a big audience. I mean, I just came off of a board meeting, a virtual board meeting call where they said they had 100% attendance for their first time in the history of all their board meetings. And so uh, conference organizers, uh, businesses are able to get more people on. They're often able to get a higher quality, higher level of speaker on. And so we're seeing that a lot. And on the flip side for the executive, executives are gonna be able to be quote out there more speaking because it's much less of a time commitment. They can do you know several speaking events in a day without having to worry about travel. So I think from that perspective, um, you're seeing an advantage. Jim, did you want to add anything? Yeah, when it comes to advisory committee meetings and oral explanations, really the only potential benefit I see is the ability to engage committee members that have very specific subject matter expertise. I know that the FDA often struggles to get advisory committee members to attend meetings in person, especially those that have orphan indications or niche indications. And for face-to-face -face meetings, it can just get, be difficult to get experts to free up what amounts to about three days of their time for a one-day meeting when you count in the prep time and the travel time. So as Cindy mentioned, virtual meetings tend to reduce the total travel time for committee participants. So we're hopeful that the FDA and EMA will be able to get participants who have very specific expertise for these types of indications. Jim and Cindy, thanks for joining us today. It's been very interesting hearing about all these challenges for virtual meetings and how people can address them with some preparation. Thank you, Elaine, for this opportunity. It was great. Yes. Thanks a lot, Elaine. Uh, it's very important information to get out to your listeners. So we were, uh, it's our pleasure to participate. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? audience-fed creative, and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truestherumntwk.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Jim DiBiase, co-founder of 3D Communications. And my leadership tip is inspired by the words of Louis Pasteur, and that is, chance favors the prepared mind. So over-prepare just to make sure you don't miss your chance. 
Hi, I'm Cindy DiBiase, co-founder of 3D Communications. My leadership tip is put yourself in the shoes of the people you're communicating to or leading. Your thoughts, your words, your actions will be very different if you look at them from their perspective. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com.